The most pleasant exhaustion podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm based in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax, and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation security. Book a call or drop them a line on their website, highechelloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. MPE Coaching is the coaching arm of the podcast. If you like what you hear here and you need help preparing for a big goal, reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com or mpecoach at gmail.com. Trail races, marathons, triathlons, multi-day relays, we have helped people get ready for all of these things. Our approach is rooted in proven exercise physiology, but we also bring our own experience as coaches and athletes to bear. We specialize in helping adults with busy schedules find ways to build fitness and accomplish their goals. Whether you're looking to complete your first multi-sport race, qualify for Boston or Kona, set a new marathon PR, or simply become a healthier, happier athlete, we can help. Click on the coaching link on the podcast website, www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude State-of-the-Art Indoor Training Center, they are capable of simulating elevation of up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals, from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons, train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. And Michelle trained there extensively for the Silver Rush 50 in 2023, her first ever 50 mile race that spent a lot of time over 10,000 feet. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing, such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing, which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuels you are burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info@elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or to set up an appointment. Their website is elementalaltitude.com. And finally, our new sponsor for 2024 is Bright Hair. Bright Hair is a creative design studio offering branding, graphic design, marketing, and website design and support. They designed our Most Pleasant Exhaustion logo and they're helping to build our website right now. The folks at Bright Hair are patient and thorough and they listen to your feedback. Their expertise has been critical to our getting our branded merchandise shop off the ground in early 2024. Be sure to reach out to them with any graphic design or marketing needs that you have. 
You can find them at brighthair.com. That's bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, hair, H-A-R-E.com, or on Instagram at bright, period, hair. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the most pleasant exhaustion podcast possible. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by High Echelon PC, Bright Hair, Blue Pineapple Travel, MPE Coaching, and Elemental Altitude Training Centers. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls and a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I occasionally coach. Um, but I am a uh, endurance athlete, and I'm the father to three baby adults, which prove this on almost a daily basis, and the husband to a beautiful <laughs> wife who does prove that on a daily basis. So do, do they prove the adult part or the baby part on a daily the baby basis? Part. <laughs> <laughs> the baby part. I like how there was, any, there was no hesitation there whatsoever. <laughs> I anticipated the question when I saw the look on your face. Very good. Very good. And I want to say, Michelle, that one of your three daughters was talking in the background there during the intro. Is that right? I do have my senior in high school who's finishing midterms and she comes in and out like every two hours. And um, I'm supposed to like keep track of when she needs emotional support and when she's done and wants to throw a party. But really, I just know it's midterms and, you know, hopefully looking forward to a few days off after. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) I figured one of your daughters was home because it was a it was a snow day or a weather day here because we it's uh, in Metro Atlanta. It has been bitterly cold and there's been some icy roads and that sort of thing. So there have been some school closings. My sons had a school closing yesterday, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, um, we had one of three schools closed yesterday. So St. Francis, which is a new school for one of my daughters, mm-hmm. this semester um, follows the Cobb County calendar or closings. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, she was pleasantly surprised to have no gotcha. school and her sisters did have school. So The Cobb <laughs> County schools of which you are an alumnus and of which Eric is an alumnus. So very good. Very good. Um, Eric, Happy New Year, man. I haven't had you or we haven't had you on the podcast here in 2024 just yet. Uh, Quick cheese check-in, man. How's that coming along? (laughs) As I stuffed some burrito in my mouth right before you asked the question. Was it a burrito with cheese on it, though? (laughs) There is. There is some cheese on the burrito. I would say that I'm at at about somewhere between 50 and a 75% reduction. All right. But it's not something I can completely cut out of my diet. No, no. But I'm working on it. So very good. Nor is it something I think you need to cut entirely out of your diet, right? Um, I'm a big fan of moderation Mm -hmm. in just about everything, Mm -hmm. um, except maybe hard drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, So (laughs) you don't advocate moderate cocaine use? (laughs) No. How about heroin? (laughs) No, heroin. Probably not a good idea. No. (laughs) Not. I'm not I'm not into that, but um, I'm definitely trying to moderate this. And so far, I mean, it's it's still in our house. Um, We give it to the dogs because it does motivate them quite a lot. Um, And they are helping me with my problem. So they are they are co-conspirators in reducing the my cheese consumption. Very good. Very good. I appreciate 
I appreciate your question too, because that reminds me to not eat as much cheese. <laughs> Remind you that that was in fact your resolution. I yeah, joked, of exactly. course, on our resolution podcast that we were going to start doing a cheese check-in in the same way we did a strength work check-in with Michelle all of last year. We're not actually going to do it, but you know, once in a while, I think it's not a bad idea. Your first podcast here in 2024 with us, Eric, I don't think it's a bad idea. Very good. Speaking of resolutions, one of my resolutions was to read 35 books over the course of this year. Um, and I have finished two of them. My first two books of the year I, I've finished so far. Um, and one of those two um, was The Race to Be Myself, which was Caster Semenya's uh, memoir. Um, it came out in the back half of 2023, and I bought a copy uh, and read through it over the course of the last little while. It, it was an interesting book. Um, and for people who who have followed the situation with Castro Semenya over the course of the past few years, and of course, we've talked about it a time or two on this podcast, um, I think it is worth reading for a few different reasons. Um, first of all, it does lend more complexity to the situation. Um, you do see how much more complex the situation is, and not just in terms of DSD, but in terms of, of layering poverty and racism and North versus South on top of it and all these other kind of aspects that are woven into that whole issue. Um, and, and what you can't help but leave with when you finish the book is that it's a far more complex problem than, than what you might initially think that it is. Um, and, and I appreciated that aspect of it. The second thing is you get the story from her side. Uh, she's extremely honest in the book. She's also very open in the book. Um, and you get to hear, obviously, about the really inhumane things that were done to her. Um, but then you also, uh, you just get to hear about how it felt when people around the world, on television, in the media, said things about her that were ugly and dehumanizing. You actually get to hear what that felt like for her. Um, and I think that's an important point of view to actually keep in mind. Um, my third big takeaway from it um, was that kind of what I felt all along, there has to be a place for somebody like Caster Semenya to be able to compete. Um, there has to be some way for her to be able to compete that doesn't involve either her having an extremely invasive surgery, which is what the IAAF initially suggested that she do, um, or for her to take drugs that have profoundly adverse side side effects um, and and kind of ruin the, the other aspects of her life. Um, there has to be something for her to do. She talks over and over and over again in the book um, about how much she loves running and how enriching it is and how freeing it is and all the things that, that we feel about running as well. She says a lot of those same things. Um, there has to be a place for, for, for her to be able to compete. Um, and I just, I, I don't know what the solution to that issue is just yet. Um, but I've always kind of felt that way. And I feel even more strongly that way, frankly, after reading the book. So, um, but like I said, I would recommend it for anybody who has, uh, read more about that situation, uh, has followed that situation over the course of the last little while. Um, it is an interesting book to read. Uh, Michelle, do you plan to read it? I will say I should read it. And I say that because I read excerpts of her experience, uh, particularly in Berlin. I'm sure you know what I'm referring to. Yeah. And I actually just found it. Which is, which is even more horrific than, than like she, this is the, she says in the book, this is the first time that she's actually really talked about it. And yeah. it's, it's horrific. 
So um, I found it um, much like, and not that it's that different, or I don't want to make a comparison, you know, but stories of sexual abuse and mm -hmm. um, other forms of like violence and trauma against women, against anybody, really. I just, I, found, I find it hard to read. Mm -hmm. um, sure. So in saying that, it is a book that I feel like, um, you know, as somewhat like a student of the sport, that's all of it, not just you know, the, the stuff that makes people run faster, better. Yeah. I, I do think I should read it. Um, but I don't want to read it. That's mm -hmm. the problem right now. So, yeah. which is another reason I probably should read it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But kudos to you for reading it. So, yeah, no, it is. It's, it, it's funny. It's simultaneously easy and hard. <laughs> it's not, it's not hard to read in terms of the language. Um, it's not hard to read in terms of the story that she's telling. Like it's sure. very plain language. Um, and, and it's very straightforward. Um, and so you don't have to like read or reread different sections of it. It's not like reading a philosophy textbook by any stretch, but, but yeah, I, I couldn't read it in big chunks. Um, I had to kind of read it and put it down and digest it and think about it and recover from it, um, and then come back to it. Um, and so it actually took me longer to read than I thought it would, um, just because of that. Um, it's, it's just one of those, it's, it's just an emotional kind of wrenching and, and sometimes ugly book. Um, yeah. that, that forces you, if you care, um, it forces you to think about some of these issues. Sure. Um, yeah. You just made reading that book sound like a training plan. <laughs> like you had to prepare for it, then you had to, then you kind of exerted yourself and then you had to go through a recovery. I mean, wh what a better explanation of a book, you know, about, about a running topic. Yeah. Well, and ultimately doesn't training make you stronger, right? Exactly. Um, That's, yeah. I mean, so, and so reading this book, I, like I said, it complexified the issue. It gave me more to think about related to this issue and, and you come away from it. Um, again, if you care, um, you come away from this thinking, wow, this is even more complicated than I thought it was. Um, and so, so yeah, I do recommend it. Um, I do recommend the book, but, but with the caveats that, that Michelle certainly described, um, Eric, I recommend it for you too, you know, as someone who has lived in South Africa, um, I think that that the fact that she's from South Africa and she was born in 1991 when the dismantling of apartheid was just beginning, right? <laughs> that was the year that, that Nelson Mandela was released from jail. Um, and so she was born in 1991. So she is growing up in the post-apartheid era. Um, and she and all the people around her from South Africa are extremely leery and are hypersensitive to anything that says, based on the way you look, we are going to put you in a certain category and restrict your access to privileges or to 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 different opportunities. And, and that's very much how the whole thing feels to her. Um, like through her South African filter, it feels like based on the way that she looks, that that she's beefier, that she's flat chested, um, that she's more muscular, things like that, based on the fact that she doesn't match a, a traditional feminine Eurocentric uh, uh, ideal that she's being put into a particular box. And then that box uh, comes with a restriction of certain privileges and opportunities. Um, and that's I mean, that's like what apartheid was. Right. So, like I said, it's it's fascinating I mean, interesting, and, and you come away with it being far more complex and 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 much more trenchant problem than you might have thought it was before <laughs> um, um well on that point george you know you you basically started off with your three points saying the first one is it's not a 
ones and zeros, black and white issue. Yeah. And you guys, you hear me do this all the time, especially in our text thread and our conversations off the podcast, but I'm just not a fan of social media. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I'm not a fan is that uninformed opinions are expressed as truth and things typically, if, if it turns into a conversation, they boil down to ones and zeros mm-hmm. and nice you lose all of the color you lose all of the decimals if you're a math person Mm -hmm. in in the reality of the situation and i think she's a victim of that yeah and it comes down to laziness and vitriol and and all those things that i know that's not all that you get out of social media i know there are some positives out of it but i think that in the world we live in um it takes much more energy it takes much more time it takes much more thoughtfulness than you're going to get media. And that's where I, why we read books, we read articles, mm-hmm. we talk about them. And I think that she's a victim of that. So I think you're right. One example. Yeah. yeah. One example. I, I think you're right. You know, and so the other book that I've, I finished reading is, is called high conflict. Um, and it, and, and high conflict by Amanda Ripley makes the, the very clear distinction between healthy conflict, which can be productive um, and, and so-called high conflict, which of course is defeating and polarizing and, and all that sort of thing. And, and one of the things that she argues throughout the book that characterizes high conflict, which is counterproductive, um, and divisive and ugly, um, is, is a binary that anytime you have yes or no us and them, two parties, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, whatever it happens to be, right. Anytime you have a binary, it's going to force people to retreat into certain camps, um, and and not, and 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 they will they will oversimplify the issue, and they will uh, caricature the people on the other side. I think you're right that social media certainly kind of fuels that, um, that that sort of binary, that us and them, that in group out group type of thinking, um, and and I, I think you're right too that that she is kind of a victim of that. You either think she should be in or think she should be out. Um, well, and it, it comes down to historically, we are binary people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like we're we're bred for this, mm-hmm. and this is a this is a gray area. And I agree with you. You know, it comes to your last point. I don't know what the solution is. There needs to be a solution. Mm-hmm. This is one of those. It's it's a gray area. We need to find a solution, especially like you said, for such a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, we're yeah. just not and- there yet. And, and somebody who has experienced, as we have experienced, the enriching aspects of sport. Um, because, I mean, I'm all about, I like to think that I'm all about trying to create more inclusive spaces and, and trying to, to extend the benefits of endurance sports to a wider array of people. Like, I, I, I support that. I think that's important. Um, I think that I am a better person. I am certainly a profoundly different person by virtue of, of having been a runner for 30 years. Um, but shouldn't everybody have the opportunity to change themselves to better themselves through endurance sport if if that's the path they want to follow i think so um but if we say that you can only do it if you are strictly a man or strictly a woman that's that's problematic for at least one percent of the population that doesn't fit neatly into that binary so right um, and and not to get too serious and just to inject a Point levity on this um you said a runner for 20 years which would make it sound like you started running did i say 20 years 
It should have been 30 years. 30. Actually, you said 30 years, <laughs> and that would make it sound like you started running when you were 20. Yeah, so right. I, more than that's not accurate. <laughs> I think it's more on the order of 35 years. So. Good point, buddy. Yeah, no, I've gotten to the place where saying I'm going to run him for 30 years is now rounding down. Super. <laughs> it's not Very even good. rounding down. It's like just wrong. <laughs> the accountant on the podcast does not believe in rounding. She believes yeah. it. We're yeah. almost at the, well, we are correct the point where we can say, it's probably okay. We, we can I mean, say, I've been running longer than you've been alive. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Definitely. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, speaking of running and having been a runner for a long time, um, I ran a race this past weekend. Michelle, you didn't run a race this past weekend. Um, no. and, and we certainly want to talk about that since we did end up talking about sort of a Houston Marathon preview here um uh the last podcast we were on so it's it's a sad story it makes all of us sad but tell us what happened michelle sure i traveled on january 1st um and second had to go quickly to new york and back for a funeral unfortunately my brother-in-law's mom uh, passed away after a long battle with cancer and honestly the minute i got on the plane train at jfk i I knew right away that I was not like escaping this trip without getting sick. I mean, every, everybody was sick. Hmm. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I came back on a Tuesday and it was kind of like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and then I woke up Sunday morning and I think I had like a 60 minute run, maybe with like three marathon hmm. pace miles. And it's hard to know. It felt hard, but you know, you're eight days out from a race. Um, hmm. So it's not probably going to feel good. But at the same time, I woke up and my throat was sore and I yeah. just felt like a lot of upper respiratory congestion. Um, and by Tuesday, I wasn't really getting better. And um, other people who had attended the funeral and attended the Shiva after were testing positive for COVID. So, but I did take a test on Tuesday night and it came back positive. Um, and I borrowed like all my neighbor's tests. I took a test from every <laughs> house I could find. I was like, I'm sure this is wrong. The test is expired. So I got another one. Um, and then I got like a third one and they all turned mm -hmm. positive, you know, within like 60 seconds. So I, I kind of gave it a day or two, but by, by Thursday evening, it was pretty clear that yeah. traveling, um, I, I also feel like this ethical responsibility not to get on a plane while testing positive for COVID. Sure. Um, so that was a huge, of, of everything everybody said, um, up until the point where I, hadn't yet felt the worst that I would feel during last week. That was like the one thing that made it uh, the easiest for me to just call and cancel my flight. It just okay. felt wrong to get on a plane knowing that I was positive for COVID. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was in no, I took a week off by, I guess I took six days off really. Um, it was pretty bad. You know, I'm thankful it was never respiratory this time. It was all really just um, in my head and my sinuses and stuff. Okay. So but yeah, I mean, to go through a whole marathon cycle and just kind of knowing that getting to the starting line healthy is always like, <laughs> that's always the first goal. goal. That's always, yeah. that's literally the uh, first goal every time get to the starting line. Um, mm. Yeah. And I was a little like perturbed when you posted the podcast with like the header of I'm going to I'm Houston. Sorry, it's I'm just sorry. like, I know, I know. <laughs> why? <sorry>. Why? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I think, you know, are you so devastated? And it's interesting because when you feel that sick, the last thing on my mind was running a yeah. marathon. <laughs> yeah. So 
it wasn't really until I would say like once it was over with and people were posting pictures with their medals, like even people who weren't happy with their race, um, just that feeling of, well, I had like planned my whole year to kind of have that big goal, um, mm -hmm. or at least like do something big in January. Mm -hmm. So that was a little, uh, that's a, a bit devastating, but I mean, I can't like, how much can you control? Like I yeah. just, the circumstances are what they were. Um, yeah. The worst part definitely is <laughs> just trying to run like three or four miles these past few days. It's mm -hmm. really awful. Uh, mm -hmm. It's interesting. My body doesn't feel like it took a week quote off. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't. Your body, your, your, your body was working. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think George I, has been the one in the past, or maybe it's uh, Brett, our friend that says, um, like in your taper, taper, like don't say, oh, I've, I've got all said this extra time times. to do yard mm -hmm. work and whatnot. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And, and I tell Grace all the time, stress is stress, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter oh, yeah. whether it's running stress or school stress or work stress, stress is stress. And your yeah. body went through a stress that took it down. So you're basically like, I don't think it's the same as recovering from a marathon, but you're kind of recovering. You're yeah. in recovery. Yeah. yeah. It's just such an interesting um, like dichotomy of you are close to the race and you feel awful. Your body feels awful, but like you beat it up. So you make all these excuses for my hamstrings tight. My calf is in knots. Like mm -hmm. I feel, you know, running's hard, but I know I have fitness and now I have like all the same issues. They didn't just go away. Yeah. And it doesn't like my number on training peaks is plummeted. And yeah. uh, so, you know, but hopefully it'll come back pretty quickly. Um, it or will. at least come back. <laughs> it will. And it will. Uh, yeah. It so, will. you know, well, I, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's talk about that for just a second. <laughs> Cause I, I'd like George's input. So you did this build my opinion is the build isn't gone. Like you still no. have the fitness. It's never gone. Yeah. I right. don't have the fitness today though. No, no, Not you don't right have now. it today, but let's, let's brainstorm on what you're going to do to use it. I mean, you can't waste that work that you put in. You don't need to go run a marathon, but what can you do to like, what can you look forward to? What can we, what, like, how can we turn this into like, maybe not the positive of running Houston, but something. Eric wants to know if you're signing up for mountain mist. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys talk about that on a different? No, no, no. I swear to God, you guys. No. No, I can just <laughs> read between the lines. But 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 Eric's totally right. Like you put in all this training, you did a lot of really good work. Um, and and I know that that's frustrating for you, but it's not gone. It feels like it's gone right now, but it's it's certainly not gone. Um, it's never gone. Um, my wife used to use the metaphor of digging a hole. And when you're training, you're digging a hole. And then when things happen or when you take time off or something like that, or you're forced to take time off because of sickness or injury, some of the hole kind of gets filled back in. But when you fill a hole back in, the dirt that you fill back in is still a little bit softer. So it's easier to dig the hole back again. You yeah. still have to spend a little bit of time, you know, redigging that hole and getting some of that that new dirt back out of it again. Um, but But it's still there. It's still there. Here's the thing that I'm wondering about with you. Is there a part of you that says, Ugh, like, I don't want to start training again because I'm just going to get sick again if I pick out some other target. Do you have any of that going on in your head? So I keep going back to like at the very end of um, really right before I got sick, I was trying to reflect on how much I like loved the process. Mm -hmm. Not as like a way to preempt like, oh, well, if the race goes to shit, then at least I have, you know, something that I feel good about. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I actually really just got to the point where it felt like I was checking the boxes and um, like it was exactly the way that it should be. And it had been a long time since, since I felt that. So hmm. that's a positive been... checking the boxes, right? A lot <laughs> yeah. of people yeah. use that as a negative. You're saying, no, no, I was checking the box. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm like, I want to go again. I just want to, I just can't figure out what I feel like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I ran three days in a row yesterday's run. I felt like so awful. So I just kind of stepped back today um, I don't know how to judge, like, where do I pick up from? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm, yeah, I want to like, I, I, I actually think I know what I'm going to do. I, I haven't said anything. And since I put you on blast before the Houston Marathon and perturbed you to use your word, you're probably not even going to tell us. Well, I'll tell everybody who sent me like calendar links and race recommendations and none of you are right. Nobody mentioned. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I will say I reached a, um, like a, a threshold of if one more person says go to Mesa or go to Jacksonville or, you know, go to like, or just go to Houston and run the half. Like I really was, I was so frustrated with that. It was like, yeah. I'm really sick guys. Like I'm not yeah. also like, what is wrong with you that you think somebody could travel or even just go run a half if you yeah. can't run like the half, exertion over so 13.1. Yeah. yeah. Like how is a half yeah. so much easier or half is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to, you know, last, I'd like to kind of sit back and um, just see how the next few days go. But I would say that in 2018, I was supposed to run Chicago and I came down with E. Coli. Yeah. I know you remember that because we're part of that. Um, so I went to Chicago and ran you like a four-hour marathon, yeah, yeah. and it was awesome. And then about eight weeks later, I went to Sacramento. So, you know, like I think that type of time frame and, makes a and lot ran more great sense in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, and I think so. And I also sort of felt like the cycle was ending a little bit too soon. So it could be that this is. Um, yeah, you said that. You said you wish that. Yeah, you, you wish you had a couple more weeks in the cycle. That that yeah. was like one of the silver linings. For me, as you and I were texting about how bad you felt, and and I and I knew as soon as you got honestly, and I think you did too, at least on some level, I knew as soon as you started getting sick, I was like, she's not running a marathon this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I held on to hope that it was just a small cold and it would yeah. turn around. And and honestly, it's super um, reasonable to think that on a Sunday when the race is next Sunday. But mm-hmm. by the time other people are testing positive for COVID, it was. Yeah. You know, I mean, by the time you ask a few doctors, it's the risk of your heart and the risk of long COVID. And like, what are you even doing contemplating it? Um, None of that was as uh, meaningful as I can't believe you would actually get on a plane with COVID. Um, That was Uh very helpful. I forget who said that. But, you know, that's not what I was thinking about while I was processing whether I could try to run. Um, But that was like the most impactful thing somebody said. So, yeah, I liked being in that training cycle. I... um, you know, have a few things anyways on the calendar, more for fun. Um, to add insult to injury, like I was really excited about Red Top and there's a wait list, <laughs> which is so <laughs> ridiculous because when I rearranged some plans the, to the be Red able to Top run Rumble, Red the, Top, the trail race in February. Yeah, so I actually rearranged some plans to be able to run it. Um, but at the same time, I didn't actually register. I just thought I did. Mm. Or I just like thought I'll just, oh, well, it's not selling out, blah, 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 blah. And then when I went in, um, so I'm, there's a small wait list there, but 
hopefully February just has some fun stuff and then uh, regroup a little bit uh, okay. maybe really soon after. So, okay. Okay. We'll see. Very good. Very good. Um, you and I both have a leg to run on the Atlanta marathon relay. Oh yeah, uh, we do. At the oh, end of February. I get uh, the fast leg also. I already called that. <laughs> the minute, like before I even knew I wasn't running Houston, the conversation was, okay, Lauren, I, I get the easier, faster part of this marathon relay. Absolutely. <laughs> and she, and she thought was fine with that. So, but the downside Absolutely. is it's a new course. So yeah. how do we know? We don't even know. Faster, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. yeah. You'll get to decide yeah. though. It'll be your decision. Um, and we should shout out to Lauren. Um, Lauren yeah, had, sure. Lauren had a good race in Houston. Um, friend of the podcast, Lauren Fogarty, who did a lot of training with Michelle over the course of the past couple of months. Um, she, uh, qualified for Boston again, um, with a healthy margin. Um, so yeah. she will be, she will be going back to Boston if she chooses to. Um, right. and then she also, uh, her time is a qualifier for the New York city marathon. Um, and awesome. so, so, which is great too. Yeah. And so I think she's excited about, um, the possibility of signing up for the New York city marathon. Um, and so I, I know she's excited about that. So shout out to Lauren for sure. Uh, another friend of the podcast, Justin Smith also ran. Um, and had a good race until about 22, 23, something like that. Yeah. So, so last year he had a really good race until about like 18 or 19 this year, he made it to 22 or 23. Maybe he's going to go back next year and and he'll make it all the way uh, to, to the end uh, with a good race. No, he's going to CIM. So, so he is going to CIM. You're right. He has said that. So um, the weekend after Valencia, which I am going to. (laughs) (laughs) but i have other goals first but i have other goals first um i did the disneyland half marathon this weekend um i wore a jersey that said most pleasant exhaustion on it thanks to michelle um we are still working on that the jersey that i wore is gonna be different from the jersey ultimately that we end up uh, distributing but uh, i can tell you it's the same brand um backline that, that we are getting our jerseys from and it was super comfortable and i loved it uh the weather was perfect in disneyland it was we're running. Um, it was mid forties and no wind. Um, we had about a mile or so that we ran around the course and then between one mile or ran around the, the, the downtown and then between one mile and two miles, uh, we ran into the parks, um, and then spent about a bunch of time kind of running in and around the parks until the five mile mark. Um, five mile mark, we left the parks and right at that moment, we also happened to go up a hill. And so it was like, Welcome to not being in Disneyland anymore. Um, um, and then spent the next eight miles kind of running around Anaheim, um, which was actually cooler than it sounds. Um, we ran past the the arena where the Anaheim Ducks play hockey. Um, we ran past the arena where the California Angels play baseball. Um, we ran past, um, we ran on this kind of river walk area they have, except that it's not a river. It looks like the place where they filmed the car race scene in Greece. That's like what it looks like. I'm like running alongside that, um, which was kind of cool. Um, and uh, and then kind of the, there was a car club out at one point. So you're like kind of running through car clubs. There's a bunch of cheerleaders out like the Anaheim Ducks cheerleaders and the the, the California Angels cheerleaders. They're, they're all out there and that sort of thing. Pretty good crowd support throughout the race, um, even though start at five o'clock in the morning. Um, and yeah, it was fun. Um, I have never had more fun at a Disney race than I had at this one, which is at least in part because I ran it as a progression run rather than an all-out race. Um, but but yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun. So Glad I did it. When you run in Orlando, you're kind of in and out of parks, but most yeah. of the Disney races are on 
I don't know, access roads or highway Right. or behind parks Parking or industrial lots. or there's nothing. Yeah, parking lots. Would you say that running through Anaheim was um, just like a better visual experience altogether? Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, um, Yeah. I would. And, and because of that, though, that's part of the reason why there hadn't been a race in Disneyland since 2017, um, because they have to coordinate so much more with the local authorities. Now, every race director has to coordinate with local authorities, obviously, I was going right? to say, I wow, mean, that's, <laughs> like, yeah, that, 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 that's part of the race directing process, right? Um, but, but Disney World can keep their entire marathon on their property and not have to worry about coordinating and licensing and, and, and all that sort of thing. Um, whereas the majority of this course was actually out in the city of Anaheim, Um, and they did have to coordinate a great deal, obviously, with the city of Anaheim. Um, and that's something that they struggled with over the course of the past several years. But I, I for one, was very glad that they got it worked out. I thought it was a, a cool course. I thought it was fun. Um, because I did it as a progression run, that meant that I was still kind of holding back a little bit when we were running through the parks. Um, and so I, I stopped and took a couple of uh, photos with characters. And um, it was just, you know, it was just a neat thing to do. Um, and then by the time we were out into Anaheim, um, that's when I started speeding up a whole lot, um, or not a whole lot, but some, um, and then the, the field kind of thinned out and it came, but it kind of became more of a solo affair, which meant that all the people who were cheering were cheering just for me. So that was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, uh, it's funny because I, I wanted to, Uh, we went to the expo and they had a lot of extra merchandise at the expo. And I was like, I already got a t-shirt. I don't need another t-shirt. Um, and now I had so much fun at the race that I was wishing I had bought an extra short sleeve t-shirt so I could wear it over the summer. Um, but no, but no. Um, Well, if you have good luck on eBay, you could probably find it. It only took me two and a half years to find the shirt that I did not get when I did a run Disney event in fall of 2021, but I just got it and it just came like a week ago and I'm so happy about it. So something good for luck me to look on your forward search. to. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you. Something for me to look forward to for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, overall it was, it was a, it was a great race. It was a good experience. Um, anybody who's run in Disney world, um, I would su certainly suggest you go out and do one of the races in Disneyland, um, do the coast to coast challenge, um, and, uh, and do a race in Disneyland, not only because Disneyland is, is far superior to Disney world, but, um, I think it was a super fun race as well. Um, I will probably get people texting me about what I just said. We did get some people texting me about some of the stuff I said last week that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Um, one last thing I will say about the Disneyland marathon, um, that you all will appreciate is that I felt like I was Jeff Galloway's shadow over the weekend. <laughs> so Jeff Galloway is actually from Atlanta. He was an Olympic marathoner, as everybody knows. He opened one of the first dedicated running stores here in Atlanta that was solely for merchandise related to running, running shoes, that sort of thing. Um, but he is probably best known these days for being an innovator of the run-walk method, so-called gala-walking Um, and run Disney actually uses that as their official training approach. Like all of the training plans that you can download from their website, uh, include walk running and even the pacers on course, the ones even that go 145, they're run walking the whole way. Uh, he was at the expo, said hello to him there. Um, at the, on the course, I was finishing the race and there's like a, literally a 180 degree turn in the final 200 feet of the course. Um, and he was like standing in that turn. Um, and he goes, good job. I was like, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> um, Hey, buddy. and, and then I was like, Hey, Jeff, I know you, we're both from Atlanta. Um, 
and then uh and then he was on my flight back um he was he was on the oh, flight back so to funny. atlanta the same one that i was um uh, which of course was filled with people who had done the race um and of course you know he might as well have been flying the plane the rock star that he was in that crowd so and then speaking of fun stuff I had a student that I taught when I taught in New Hampshire in 1999-2000 that I haven't seen since about 2002 or 2003 when she was graduating from high school. And she is now knocking on 40. Um, she's now in her upper 30s, which goes to show you how old I am that, that I taught her when she was in ninth grade. Um, and uh, she had run the Walt Disney World Marathon and then now ran the Disneyland Half Marathon to get her Coast to Coast medal. Um, and I was like, that's great. I'm so glad you're doing that. I happened to run into her. So seriously, a, that's so cool. It's a small world after all. I hadn't seen her in two decades, more than two decades, about two decades. Um, and I ran into her. So that was super fun. And that was definitely a big highlight of the weekend as well. All in all, great race. It's um, hard not to have a great time at Disney. <laughs> yeah, we spent three days. I'm sure there are course. plenty of people that did not yeah. have a good time at Disney. <laughs> not maybe, at Disneyland. Maybe during maybe that the, race they didn't have a good time, but but no, maybe they, at the they, half in Disney World in Orlando the weekend before when they could only run 7.1 miles. But I think in Disneyland, people were they were uh, getting their money's worth. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So and we should also say here, speaking of Walt Disney World and speaking of Disney races and that sort of thing, big shout out to Haley Chura, uh, friend of the podcast, who we've talked about how we need to get her back on the podcast. Um, she did the Dopey Challenge 5K, 10K, Half Marathon, Marathon on successive days. Won the 5K, won the 10K, won the Half Marathon finished fourth in the marathon. So wasn't quite able to pull off the sweep. Um, but but kudos to her for taking on what is undoubtedly a very difficult event. Um, we talked to friend of the podcast, Aaron Weddy a couple of years ago about the challenges related to the Dopey Challenge. And it's it's not easy getting up at three o'clock in the morning, four days in a row in order to run races for sure. For sure. Particularly when the last one's a marathon. Um, all right. One last thing we kind of want to retcon here from last week. Um, one last thing that I want to make sure that we talk about, because a few people reached out to me uh, about the conversation that we had about influencers. Um, now, I was talking before about the differences between high conflict and healthy conflict. And, and I feel like I had some healthy conflict over the course of the past couple of weeks that helped me <laughs> clarify, past week or so, that helped me clarify some of my ideas <laughs> on influencers and some of the things that I said uh, last week. Plus, you know, this will give you the opportunity to say a few words about influencers as well, Eric, which I know you probably have some opinions about. But um, first thing I should say right off the top is that that I factually got one thing wrong. I said that Dave Goggins always finishes in the middle of the pack. And in fact, Dave Goggins has won some races. Uh, most notably, he's won Strolling Jim, um, which we've talked about on this podcast before. And of course, we had Allison Mercer, friend of the podcast on here a few times, but uh, on one occasion talking about how she had won Strolling Jim. Um, and so I, I got that wrong. Um, and I made a mistake about that. Second thing that I did want to kind of clarify or that I clarified in my head based upon the conversations we had um, is that there's nothing really wrong inherently with somebody making money through being an influencer, I don't think. Um, and folks are welcome to disagree with me on that. Um, if a shoe company wants to or chooses to pay someone who has a heavy presence on social media to spread good feelings about their shoes, I'm not going to blame that on the influencer. Now, I could potentially hold that against the company, but, you know, that's kind of how capitalism works, that that they want to Agreed. actually divert resources to the thing that's going to help them sell their products the best. Um, and so 
you know, you can boil it down into the the early 2000s phrase, don't hate the player, hate the game. Like, I, I, I don't mean to say anything bad about influencers in general. Now, there are some influencers that I like, um, and there's some that I don't like, but I don't dislike them because they're influencers. I dislike them just because they're not my type of people. Um, and so I kind of feel like that's that's an important clarification to make, too. So the third thing that all this healthy conflict brought into my head was a little bit of a clarification on what an influencer actually is. And by all means, y'all tell me what you think and you help me think through it a little bit further. But the way I'm currently thinking about it is that there's a continuum. And on one end of that continuum, you have people whose power, whose sway inside of the running community is entirely based on their performance, 100% performers. And on the other side of that continuum, you have people whose power or sway inside of the running community is based on their brand or is based on, on their personality or on what they say or something else like that. Something that is not necessarily their performance in a running race. Now, the only person that I can think of that's entirely on the performance side of the continuum, that is fully on that performance side of the continuum is Kelvin Kiptum. Kelvin Kiptum is famous and has influence inside of the running community based solely on the fact that he is the men's world record holder in the marathon. Dude has like no presence on social media. He doesn't really talk to the media all that much. He's like young and brand new. I think even Elliot Kipchoge is like 5% influencer, right? Yeah. Because he has a brand. He's like, he's like, you know, the power of no and, you know, every anything is possible. No human is limited, like that kind of thing, right? Um, and so... He's famous not just because he's one of, if not the greatest marathoner of all time, but also because some of the stuff he says on social media and some of his brand, right? And so if, if you kind of start thinking about it as a continuum, I think that you sort of can place various people on the continuum. And I think somebody like David Goggins, for example, since I brought him up last week, is somewhere kind of right in the middle there. You know, it's in part on his performance, but it's also in large part on his brand and on the stuff that he says and on his personality and stuff like that. One of the people that we were going back and with back and forth with on text said, well, what about Dean Karnazes? That's a great question. I enjoy Dean Karnazes books. I think he's probably in about the same place in the continuum as David Goggins is, frankly. Um, maybe a little bit more towards the performance side, but but I think you could probably say that that a lot of the reason why Dean Karnazes has some sort of sway or power inside the running community is because of his books and the stuff that he says, right? Um, and then I think you can kind of continue going all the way on down the line with people that we know. Camille Heron, I think, is much more towards the performance side because she doesn't have a great online brand or personality. Courtney DeWalter, I, I think, is more on the performance side of things. She doesn't have a really strong social media presence. Jim Walmsley is more on the performance side of things, right? Um, his power, his influence, if you will, his sway inside the running community is more based on his performances, based on what he says. Laura Green, who I think Michelle and I both think is hilarious, she's very much on the brand side she's very much on what she says side. she's because because she's funny and she's interesting and that sort of thing right um um and i like her i think she's funny i think she's great um but but i but i think she kind of falls to that side of the continuum and that and that's okay so i just threw a whole bunch of words at you that's kind of where i am in my thinking right now so by all means folks reach back out to us again eric michelle what do y'all think I'm going to let Eric take this one because I had to do this last week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
I think what you were saying was if you if it's if your sway is on the performance side, you're not an influencer. And then you start to become an influencer when you're in the middle of the continuum. And then you're almost just an influencer when you're on the far end of the continuum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I would can... say, I would say right there around the middle of the continuum is where you stop labeling somebody, maybe a competitor and you start labeling them an influencer. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you have like the competitor influencers in the middle. Yeah. And I think, and again, as I said last week, several times, I do feel like we're in transition right now. I don't feel like this continuum is going to, going to be a worthwhile model to understand the situation in distance running forever. It's just kind of where I think we are in 2024. Um, I would change one word. You said competitor. It's really performer. Yeah, I think you're right. Everyone's a competitor that toes the line. Mm -hmm. The performer is the one that you're talking about, like mm -hmm. Kipchoge and right Kip high performer, maybe. Right. Um, right. Yeah, totally. And and so yeah, I appreciate that tweak. Thank you for that. That's kind of where my head is now. And 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 again. If somebody is entirely on the influencer pole, if they are standing there, their brand is not based upon any sort of high performance. Um, I don't have a problem with that necessarily. I do have a problem with some influencers, but it's just because they're not my type of people. <laughs> it's just because the stuff that they say, well, I don't really like, right? Well, it, um, some of the stuff that influencers say is not really good stuff to say, though. It's not mm -hmm. backed. Their, mm -hmm. their, their respect in the field from the professionals is low because what they're mm -hmm. saying isn't good advice. So I think mm -hmm. there is a negative side to influencing sometimes. Uh, okay. Point taken. Yeah. That, that, that if they suggest training a certain way or eating a certain way or something else like that, that's not really rooted in exercise physiology that actually yeah. can potentially be damaging. Um, exactly. Point Simply because they say, well, I do it. And the assumption is, well, you do it and you're an influencer, so I should do it too. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people go down the wrong path because of that. Point taken, for sure. Um, I mean, George, what do you think swings the pendulum back the other way? Like, I feel like we're very much here to stay. I feel like the mm -hmm. performance becomes more uh, honestly obsolete as we go further into what brands are looking for to sell their product. Mm -hmm. I feel like the influencer becomes a much bigger uh, front and center than the actual, you know, best runner in such and such event in the country or the world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Both. So, I mean, maybe, I mean, and, and I think Eric is right that, that there, I think there will always be a place for, for non high performers. So for people on that, I think there will always be a place for that because I think brands are always going to want to try and say that they are the right shoe or the right apparel or the right whatever for people, even if they're not performing at the highest level, even if they're not super competitors, right? Um, and so, so I, I always think there's going to be a place for people who um, uh, are not all about high performance. Um, but that being said, um, I, I think what's going to change is is you're going to have more and more high performers that are also pretty good at influencing. Um, like I mean, you said, they're going to have a they're going to influencing professional helping them with their influencing, yeah, Michelle. Exactly. Yeah, maybe. Um, 
so so th that's that's the change that I think is probably going to to sort of swing the pendulum back a little bit, maybe, um, is that you're going to have people like Nico Young and Graham Blanks and and Caitlin Tui and and folks like that that have grown up doing social media and are good at it, entering the professional ranks and being the best runners uh, and the best performers. Um, I mean, you already see it a little bit with Molly Seidel. I think Molly Seidel is in some ways a harbinger of where we're going. Um, so we'll see. Um, all right, y'all, we got to go. Um, I appreciate your being with us here. Uh, Michelle, thanks for recording on a Wednesday at midday. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so we're all so waiting we with bated breath to, to hear what's going to be. I am wide awake, by the way. <laughs> let's please not let's just be let's, real here. <laughs> let, let's always record at noon um, because we don't have to worry about Michelle turning into a pumpkin. Um, okay. So, Eric, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. It was fun. Thanks, George. Right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you guys later. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Don't forget to check out our new website that we're building in early 2024, mostpleasantexhaustion.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast or on Instagram at mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends and don't forget to give us a rating. We also offer coaching services through MPE Coaching. You can reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com, at mpecoach at gmail.com, or just click on the coaching link on the podcast website. Again, that's www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com, at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. Check out High Echelon PC at highechelonCPA.com. Big thanks to our sponsor, Elemental Altitude. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com on Instagram at elementalaltitude or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. And finally, thanks to our newest sponsor, Bright Hair. You can find them at brighthair.com or on Instagram at bright period hair. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Eric Hall, thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. <laughs>